Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Anyway, uh, what y'all been up to? Everything all right where y'all are? It seems to be getting a little bit body body uh, out here in these New York City streets. And I got to tell you, um, if there's anything that I have learned um, living in New York City in these times, it's pretty simple. They go a little harder in Brooklyn than they do in Manhattan. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is. This seems to uh, transcend race. I can't say too much about religion. I don't know if our Jewish brothers have been bodied out here in these streets. I'm not sure. But I feel like when I look on the internet and I see in the news, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's some trench town rock going on down there in Brooklyn. It's up here looking like Montego Bay. I mean, there's been some marching. You know, I ain't going to pretend like people ain't made no moves totally. But, you know, all the stuff you're seeing where it's like you're getting lit up in the street. That ain't really, that ain't really so much happening uh, over here. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Like maybe maybe Brooklyn put it on the brochure, right? That this is where they, you know, this is where they, this is where the action is. I have no idea. I don't know whose idea it was. I don't know how it wound up playing out the way it did. But they down there getting bodied by it over there. And I don't know if they're getting bodied by it in your city, if they're getting bodied by it around you. I don't know. Uh, if it's moving you to get out there in the streets, I certainly ain't going to be the one to tell you not to go. I am going to tell you this. As, you know, disturbed as I am with everything that's going on, I ain't set my ass up here for two and a half months to be going out here catching this Rona because I'm mad. That is me. I have done that cost-benefit analysis. I am at that age in my life where that sort of activity is just not the way that I'm going to make my contribution. I have absolutely no judgment about people who are so feel so moved that this is their time. I've been looking at a lot of these videos and I don't really see no whole lot of masks. And I got to be honest with you, for a number of reasons, I feel like wearing a mask is probably a really good idea when you're going out to some of these protests. Number of reasons. Uh, one of them you might want to consider is. I mean, you've seen on the Internet, man, the, the feds is out there. Various like the general notion of the feds, not necessarily the federal government, but they out there. They, they keep they keeping track about which one of y'all out here arousing and rabbling. They are. They are. You catch the Rona just for them to get a profile on you. I don't really know if that's the way I want to play this game, baby. That's just me. You know, I'm just giving you some things that you may not have considered uh, that you might want to uh, consider. You know, and I guess if we also on the grid at this point. Maybe it don't even matter. But I just think that you might want to give that, you know, a little bit of thought. I'm trying to think of anything like at all entertaining has transpired in life <laughs> since the last time. I talked to y'all. Nah, it's had a while because like we talked last week about the stuff with Floyd and what was going on. And, you know, I was saying protect yourself and I'm still saying protect yourself. I've had more to say about this in the time that I expected to in part because like work has kind of necessitated talking about it. Like this has become the topic. There's like this is what I do now, Um, at least what I'm doing for the time being uh, for purposes of this discussion. Um. But I still encourage you to protect yourselves. Like, it's getting wild. And I think it's going to probably wind up getting a little bit wilder. And so I really strongly recommend um, that you protect yourself. Like, I I mean, look, I don't see things. Rush Limbaugh was on The Breakfast Club. Like, I mentioned that just simply to say, 
I don't know what the hell going on out here when that's what the game is. Like, like did you think that that would be like a certain uh, something that you would ever see come around? Because it did happen. I thought it was a joke, like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Incorrect. Incorrect. It's just what life is. Anyway, let me move on to your questions. Are you getting in uncomfortable situations where white people are abnormally nice? It is throwing me all the way off. I can't tell if it's sincere or not. This is a very interesting thing. I don't... Like, it hadn't happened a lot. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I've had people who are just kind of, you know, checking on me and the likes, which I have to say, in large part, I appreciate. Um... But I have like raised the question, and I think it's a fair question to ask. Um, like, at what point do we get to laugh at our white friends for some of the ways that they're trying to like contribute to the cause? And so, what I mean by that is, um, as we are saying here, our white friends ultimately mean well. But the thing about white folks that you have to remember is. They can be very sensitive about not being appreciated when they are trying to come down from their perch of whiteness to indulge whatever our concerns may be. And so, like, where I feel like we should be able to playfully laugh at some of these things, they're saying, you know, the white folks ain't going to want to pay attention no more to what's going on, and then all this momentum has been destroyed. Like, I don't want to pretend like this has not been a thought that I've had, and I feel like, uh, my white brothers and sisters who are consuming this podcast right now, if you're being honest with yourself in your hard hearts, you know that I'm right about this, right? But at the same time, it's just like, yo, what can I do? And I'm like, damn. I've been waiting all this time to get this level of concern and consideration for people, and I don't know what to tell you. Like, I feel like in a way, this should be a moment that I have prepared my whole life for. Right. For white people to come around and ask, what can we do? And I'm like, I don't know, man, it's pretty bad off. Like, you know what you can do? You can be a better person. Because that seems to be basically like what the corporate discussion is around all this stuff. It's just basically like, how do we how do we make our white people better people? Not necessarily better white people, but like better people who happen to be white. I don't know. Right. I don't like are we trying to make the best white man possible? I have no idea, but there, I mean, there seems to be a legitimate interest from a lot of people about being better. Right. And I don't like, I don't want to dismiss that. Like I see, and I I see people who get on the internet saying this and I totally understand how they're like exhausted of being the black friend. And it's not my job to teach you and educate you on these things and so forth and so on. And I understand the emotional place that it comes from. I just don't really see the point of taking that like approach in public. Like if you want to complain about that around like people or whatever, I totally get that. But if we're going to be honest about this and like be pragmatic about this, you're going to have to get white folks a room to get it wrong. Right? Like they ain't going to come out here batting a thousand the same way white folks got to give us room to get this wrong from time to time. 
And so I don't really have a great idea, a great answer for what to do with like all this interest that white people of, of various stripes suddenly have in a plight that has never been there before. But I also don't blame them for having no idea as to how it is exactly that you're supposed to approach this. I don't. You know, I mean, that seems to be a perfectly reasonable approach. I think it's also reasonable to get tired of it. Like, that's where everybody comes. But people just go out to give each other some measure of grace on this. And and I do think that this is something. I don't think I've talked about this in any other space yet. But this is something that I do think the white folks are going to need to give some consideration to, which is all this consideration in the abstract is cool. But where this really starts coming down when the rubber meets the road is when, like I always say, everything gets interesting when a uh, principle and reality collide. Like, what's going to be something to actually test it? Because this thing with George Floyd, part of the reason why this is moving the way it is is that there is no real test of morality here. Like, it's very obvious what size you got to be on if you watch that. Like, what's going to happen when this gets to be a little trickier? Right? Are you still going to be down to listen to us? That's going to be the question. Because I see, I've been thinking about this. Like, you know, because one thing that's interesting about the way things are going on outside is that like we just had a serious police reckoning like six years ago. Like the Trayvon Martin thing was what it was, but like Mike Brown was the real big one. We just had a real big reckoning about six years ago. You know, like the, we don't have to like give context to what's going on in the streets right now. I mean, this is on a larger scale, obviously, but like we don't have to go back to like Watts or anything like that to give context to what this is. Like we've been here. But that didn't feel like this. And the reason that didn't feel like this is that to a degree was like a murder mystery because no, like we didn't have some video of Mike Brown being killed. We had like this word of mouth that burned on the Internet and then, you know, eyewitness accounts and everything else. You know, but it wasn't this because this wasn't this was so much more indisputable. Like there's nowhere to run on this one. You know, like even the Rodney King tape, because of where it started, it gave people somewhere to run. There was nowhere to run on this one. This is kind of easy. What happens when it's not? That, like, that's what's really going to test us, you know? And I don't know what, like, the positive momentum that's going on right now, like, I don't know what that can be pushed toward. But I do think that everybody involved needs to have some appreciation for the fact that this this ain't a hard one. You know, it, it ain't going to be really hard for you to be fair on this one, I don't think. But, like, all those all those learned behaviors that you've had in the past, um, some of them are going to be tested. And the question is going to be whether or not people can handle that. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Man says, Bluebell going to sit this one out. You know, so I was kind of noticing earlier today, like when that Drew Brees thing was going on, and I ain't really going to get into that one because, you know, sports. But when that Drew Brees thing was going on, um, I noticed – that Wrangler hadn't uh, put out a, like I was thinking about it. I saw Drew Brees and I'm like, gee, I wonder if Wrangler put out a statement, right? Because everybody's putting out their statements. I wonder if Wrangler put out a statement. And of course, I would have checked and Wrangler had not put out a statement. Um, and I was just like, look, because Wrangler's like, the people that's out here buying these tight ass jeans, man, they don't really care about what we, they're, not, they're actually not looking for unity. That's, that's not that's not what they're going for. Like some people have decided our customers really don't care about whether or not we talk about it. And so they're not going to do it. I don't really judge Wrangler for that because Wrangler's like, yo, our people don't care. And 
as many of you know, I am from Texas and we're big fans of the Bluebell um, ice cream in Texas. And I can only presume that Bluebell has decided that their customers are going to eat their ice cream, whether or not they put out a statement or not. I know I am. In fact, I might even be a little glad that Bluebell's not putting out a statement because if they mess it up, I'm going to wind up in a quandary. Sorry, dog, you switching up to Ben and Jerry's. Man, look, that Ben and Jerry's statement was fantastic. They had the nail on the head. They got directly to where it is. But uh, honestly, I don't know what the hell they could put in a statement to make me switch horses. No disrespect. I mean, I'll eat it if that's what you got. I mean, if you got the Ben and Jerry's in the Bluebell, um, all I'm saying is Bluebell matters. Bluebell matters. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got here. Somebody saying, how many I'm here to listen texts have you gotten so far? See, something you guys got to remember about me. I scare people. Like I don't like 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 physically scare them. You know, like nobody thinks I'm gonna beat them up or whatever. But I think in large part because of my approach to dealing with nonsense on the tweets, people are afraid of saying something to me and me breaking back, you know, crazy with them. Which actually I don't do with like people I know. I just do it out here with these morons that think they about to get a drive-by off, and I'm here to let them know to bear bite back. I don't do that with people in my actual life. In fact, I might need to calm down saying this. I'm open to floodgates for these white folks to be hitting me up. Uh, ask me if I'm doing okay. Um, and I want to say again, I want to be very clear about this. I like legitimately appreciate the people that have because I think they're doing that, like honestly, from the bottom of their hearts. I truly believe that they are. But in some ways, sometimes it feels kind of like like when a small child makes a birthday present for you in art class, like a five-year-old. You understand what I'm saying? It's kind of like that. Uh, by the way, Lance, somebody in Houston in the chat room said the blue bell is overrated, and that's somebody who don't deserve to hang out with us no more. Let's get them up out the paint. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. WWE put out a statement and then people reminded them about the African dream, Akeem. What are some of the racist, racist characters that you remember from watching wrestling? Okay, but see, like you mentioned the African dream, Akeem, but the context about the African dream, Akeem, that you are not giving is that the African dream, Akeem, used to be the one-man gang. More importantly, the one-man gang was a white man. He was a white man. Now, what else we got? Because this is kind of a long list. We got uh, Kamala, who was a dude from Mississippi, who was like the African savage. Um, who else we got? Wasn't there something recently called Crime Time? Um, There was also... 
What's that one I'm thinking about? I mean, there was like when they had the little fake Nation of Islam group that like Ron Simmons was in and uh, The Rock was down with. But what was that other one I was just thinking about? Well, there was the dude, Johnny B. Bad, that was like Lil Richard, except they like put Tanner on him and he was also a white man. You remember that? Oh, The Godfather. That's the one y'all talking about. I remember once, I, I did not watch wrestling at this time. But somehow I wound up turning on the TV. And the Godfather was on. And it's the first time I'd ever seen the Godfather. And he was up there with a dude that I knew as Lord Stephen Regal. And something happened. And the Godfather comes out. And I didn't even realize like that he was actually a pimp. Like, like his character was that was a pimp. But he was up there with a bunch of like what proved to be his hoes. And something happened. And Lord Stephen Regal absconded with 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 the women, and the Godfather got the mic, and I'll never forget. He said, "Hey man, you better come back here with my hoes. England ain't nothing but a country full of fags." It wasn't even 10 o'clock at night. Like it was on a Monday. I just could not believe that. By the way, I saw some people mention um mention shot in, in the chat. I didn't realize somebody called me and let me know. Uh used to be this club in Atlanta called the Bounce. Me and the homies used to go to. Shy used to be a bouncing there. I'd actually met that dude a couple times. Also, we got to remember, racism is a wide-ranging thing in wrestling. So, like, didn't they have your man Eddie Guerrero out there on the lie, cheat, and steal? It's been a long time since I scrutinized the Tito Santana character, but I imagine that I could probably find uh, lots of issues and take great umbrage um, with his portrayal. Was there ever an offensively uh, presented, uh, what you call it, um, like French wrestler, because we always been really unkind to the French. I saw somebody in there mention Teddy Long. And didn't Teddy Long have some dude that used to do something like the three-minute white boy challenge? Anybody remember that, the three-minute white boy challenge? Yeah, Roddy Piper wore blackface. There's that. Yeah, man, wrestling be wildin'. Anyways, uh, appreciate your question. Let's see what else we got here. Wow, that's a lot of questions. Will Virgil Abloh ever be able to show his face in the streets again? His brand finished, right? Yo, this is interesting. So I don't know if you have seen this. But Virgil Abloh, and Virgil Abloh exists in this very interesting space already. And I say that because, like, Abloh's thing is, in the vision of his art or, you know, whatever, is he's going for accessibility. But, like, he's going for accessibility, um, like, as an intellectual concept. But he's not really trying to, like, make it accessibly priced. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how the the the, the off white stuff wind up costing all that money. Ain't that ain't that certainly ain't nothing about accessibility. If you're that dude, 
um, under those circumstances. And so we all know that Virgil Abloh is rich. And what was it, a bail fund or something? And somebody had a thing, was like, yo, if you put in $50, like you match the $50. I put in 50, who gonna match me on the $50? And this rich motherfucker put in $50. Like an actual $50, and then shared the screenshot that he gave an actual Like, I personally do not understand how somebody would not understand how you putting up $50 when you're supposed to be balling. It's going to go over. Right? I just, I just, I just can't imagine any, any, any point in life where you're just like, yeah, I'm going to put this. Come on, man. Oh, man. So, and, 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 I forgot. Didn't he get in trouble? Uh, he was mad at the looters, busting up his little shop. Didn't he do that, too? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a real bad pandemic. Pandemic been real bad for business for him. Real, real bad. Real, real. Real bad, real bad. And the reason it's been real bad is like the people that's inclined to buy his stuff in the first place. Right now, they offended by stuff like this, too. Like there's a time where he could have done this and his people around there would have been like, I understand. I was afraid they were going to get to my house. That ain't happening right now. That ain't your crew. Oh, my bad. It wasn't even his shop. It was his friend's shop. Yeah, there's a lot of bad plays there, buddy. Put it like this about Virgil. His man Kanye seemed to be smart enough to be like, I don't really have anything to say right now in front of people. But Taylor speaking up, Kanye somewhere stewing, right? This is actually pretty funny. Taylor Swift came with a fairly uh, strident tweet about white supremacy and getting Donald Trump up out the paint. Like, I think I'd read some things about how she was kind of coming into her own about how she, you know, was feeling and wanted to, you know, deal with these kinds of things. And so she decided to open up the chopper. And I actually think that that had room to be very significant because I thought, I mean, for who she is and the station that she, she exists in, in life and the space, um, like, that's a thing that she did that. So I thought it was fairly noteworthy. Now, would you like to get cynical about it? Because we can get cynical about it. Number one, it does so happen that Donald Trump be rolling with Kanye, which has to make help her hate Donald Trump even more. And number two, you might notice that she got out there before Taylor, I mean, before Beyonce did. And um, while we always think about like Kim Kardashian and Taylor Swift always wanting to follow up when Beyonce do something, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but Taylor Swift sent that. And wasn't it like the next day that Beyonce got up and put up that dry little video about the whole situation? Do I have that right? Like Taylor Swift managed to get out ahead of this before Beyonce did. This is like the first time ever that it seemed like Beyonce had to react to Taylor Swift and had to react to Taylor Swift in the black people space. While Taylor Swift may have just been simply motivated to finally do this, I imagine that all the people around her had to be like, yo, 
That right there is a long, hard-fought victory. That's like Susan Lucci winning the Emmy. Like, yeah, you up there, right? You always there, but you somehow just keep on losing. This time, she got to the front. And somebody said something about Madonna. Didn't Madonna have her little adopted son dancing to some Michael Jackson and put it on the internet? I just don't understand why most of these famous people don't understand. You can't really use social media like regular people do because you not really like regular people. And regular people are not that interested in seeing what your life is like, at least not right now. Maybe later. Not right now. Appreciate the question. See what we got here. Is there a productive conversation to be had about white privilege before Rush Limbaugh's audience? That is the question. I can give you this answer very quickly. The answer is no. If you were interested in a discussion about white privilege, you not spending your time listening to Rush Limbaugh. Like there might be some like casual, just kind of drop in listeners who check it out every now and then, and maybe you could get them, but that's not what that show purports to offer. Now I give you an example though. Um, Don Amos's show, when it was cracking, you could make an argument that it would be productive to go before that audience and talk about white privilege, right? It's a little bit more literate, of an office, of an audience. No, it's just, it just a little bit more high-minded than the Rush Limbaugh audience is. Like, that's what it was. Um, so, like, on that one, yeah, you might have a chance. You know, you might have a chance going to talk to Howard Stern. They ain't got no chance of that with Rush Limbaugh. That's that's not what they there for. They not coming and you going to Rush Limbaugh to be like, yo, I just can't believe I went on, you know, turned on, and this guy just changed my mind. Like, it, you can't really save so many people that ain't by being saved. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got here. Has T.I. become Ja Rule in the Dave Chappelle joke, where is Ja? I haven't really been paying any attention to what Tip has done um, since he was up there at that press conference. But so, I don't know how much this has been discussed. But one thing with Tip is that, like, especially when he was young, like he's so talented he's so smart right and he just kept going to jail for stupid stuff man they had that dude when he's in his like early to mid 20s they got him like meeting with andy young and all these folks is they trying to like get him on the straight and narrow because i think people identified him as somebody who could ultimately be influential and he is proven to be that right but i think that as a result of some of those connections he ironically made by getting sent to jail with people who by the way were not jail people i think that 
by virtue of those connections, like he has become like very representative of the city and is seen as being representative of a certain generation of people. Now, I don't know how much sway he has with the actual youngsters because he's like daddy age um, at this point. But people see him as a bridge to a certain audience within Atlanta. And so when he said that thing, everything that he said in that press conference about Atlanta was historically inaccurate. We all acknowledge that it was historically inaccurate. But you know what that was, man? That was a dude that loves his hometown, and he trying to figure out how to get people to stay home and stop burning down stuff. And he said to himself, so what terms can I put this in? I got it. Wakanda. They get that. Right? Like this may be patronizing, but I think that that's the way that he looked at it. And he's, you know, and for a lot of people, even if Atlanta is not literally Wakanda, which is certainly is not the crazy levels of income inequality and the likes, it feels like that to a lot of people. It does. The problem for Tip is the people who feel like Atlanta is Wakanda are probably not the people out there tearing shit up. Just to just, just to let you know there, those are not necessarily the same people. Like me showing up there for college and going to Linux and just being like, damn, look at all this, right? Uh, it seemed like Wakanda to me. It ain't seemed like Wakanda when Tip was in uh was over there in uh, Bankhead. It ain't seemed like Wakanda he's in Bowen Homes. No, he ain't for Bowen Homes. No, either way it wasn't. Tell you like this, like like uh, Hollywood Court was not built by the Wakanda Development Company. It's not really how it went. Let's see what else we got here. Would 80s LL Cool J have rapped on accidental races? That is a very good question. I got myself reacquainted with accidental races over the weekend. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's every bit as hilarious as it was at the time. The only thing that actually changed for me watching it, watching it this time was I did not realize then how pathetic it was. Like, that white man just keep asking, please don't think I'm a racist. LL in the bar hoping for the privilege to buy this white man some brew. Like, it is the saddest thing in the world. And as I'm, li- ooh, as I'm listening to it, I got the context that, like, fully let me understand how terrible and sad it is. You ready? Accidental racist somehow manages to be the I Need Love remix. He's every bit as emotional and vulnerable on accidental races as he is on I Need Love. He's got a line in there where he says, I'd love to buy you a beer, like something, something clear to air, but I see that red flag on your shirt and I think you wish I wasn't here. LL. He probably wishes you weren't there. In fact, if I were you, I would consider going to a different establishment. I just, I'm trying to imagine the scenario where LL Cool J's at this bar. 
that that it just but he really he really wants these white people to like him that's the thing brad paisley is not asking us to like him he's asking us not to blame him for racism it is the whitest thing ever like really given everything that you've seen and the people that's reaching out to you and everything go back and listen to asking a racist i listened to it for about an hour the other day i could not stop laughing could not stop laughing and this dude ll cool j said i'll forgive your red flag if you forgive my do-rag if you forgive my gold chains I'll forgive the iron chains. We cannot put LL on the bargaining committee. And just so you guys know, he can't, he can't help us get the reparations package. And somebody said, is LL rapping again? Yo, LL apparently, I don't know if he is rebuking his accidental racist presence, but LL got on the internet the other day, and I'm guessing he wrote it himself, or maybe he had somebody write it for him. But LL got on the got on the 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 the, the iPhone, and he was passionate. Yo, he is tired of the white man on our necks. Was he talking about the white man on our necks figuratively, or was he talking about that white man on George Floyd's neck literally? Honestly, I can't remember. I just remember that it start started. No, it was figurative because he said you've been on our necks for 400 years. And you know what the thing is? He can still really, 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 really rap. He can still rap. He just seems ridiculous now. Somebody said he seemed like he was ready to cry while he was spitting. I couldn't tell if he was ready to cry while he was spitting or his uh, eyes were just red. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got here. I'm just a white man coming from Southland. Dear Mr. White Man. Doesn't it start with Dear Mr. White Man? Isn't that the first line in the verse? Dear Mr. White Man. When is it appropriate to have a conversation around why violence against black women never gets the same coverage, the same level of response? Um, I think it is generally um, an appropriate conversation to have. Um, I think it's fair to ask if now strategically is the time. And I say this from my experience as like being the black person trying to discuss a lot of these matters with people. And so, The point I make on this one is that I think the variable and the difference in the ways that um, George Floyd is being covered vis-a-vis Breonna Taylor, even though the Taylor story is almost like even more shocking, right? Wasn't she like an EMT or something like that? And they come to the wrong house and all this. Um, there isn't the same assumption of malice in her killing um, as much as recklessness. But the other part, again, is the video. Like, the video is a big driving factor in this one. Right, like, a man, Gibby talks about, like, no-knock warning stuff. Like, I think 
there are a lot of things that were going on with hers. Like, like, the, the, like the idea, like a no-knock warrant is so ridiculous. Like, if you wanted to, you could splinter off in almost three different directions on that one. The Floyd one, I think, wound up being so cut and dry. Now, I do agree, though, that generally what happens to black women doesn't go over the same way. People don't respond because, like, I've seen the response to this thing with George Floyd is tell the black man in your life that he's appreciated. Um, and I always feel it's like, I guess I appreciate that one. But, like, when it happens to a young kid and they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to tell my son? I'm like, your son, what the hell are you going to tell me? they will kill me, too. And it's the same thing with black women. Like, I think we got to look at it that way, that we do have a tendency to center this and just make the assumption that it's just because people are afraid of black men that these things happen. When in reality, this is done in part because we are black and do not have the same power within society, which makes women even more vulnerable. And these same things do, in fact, happen to them um, in all likelihood with the added component of, like, sexual assault and the likes. So we do need to do a better job of coverage on that just because that is an even more vulnerable group. But if what you are implying here is about a difference in coverage between this case and say the one with Taylor, I just don't think they're the same thing. Appreciate the question. See what else we got here. Is someone who renounced their white privilege today going to try to make a 2020 reboot of soul man and movie is terrible, but an ironically hilarious rewatch. I got to tell you, there ain't no telling what white folks in Hollywood are coming up with to try to figure out how to capitalize on the spirit of this moment once we are eventually freed. I mean, because the problem they got is they ain't got a whole lot of people to tell them no. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, like there's just, just not that many people in that space to be like, hey, dog, I don't think you ought to do that. They just ain't got a lot of those. So, no, there's a, there's a, there's a wide range of possibility um, on where this might go. And, uh, Again, we're going to have to be a little bit patient, a little bit patient. People are trying their hardest. And again, I really, I mean, I, I, I understand I sound very sarcastic and dismissive when I say that, but I'm for real, man. People try it. And we got to give them some room to try. Like, if, if only for pragmatism, you got to give them some room to try. All right. I think I take this one last question here. Is Issa wrong to sleep with Lawrence? after their meetup and truth slash apology talk. What do you think Condola wants to talk to Lawrence about? I don't really know um, what Condola wants to talk uh, to him about. I'm trying to figure out under like, what's the context under which Issa is wrong um, for having sex with this person that she obviously loves and really wanted to have sex with. Like, where's the where where's the wrong here? Who 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 has been violated in this in this move that was made? Wasn't you watching earlier in the season and she was dealing with the TSA dude? You don't think that Issa, after everything that she'd been through, deserves some old faithful? Like, I feel like she deserves some old faithful. Let me tell you what my problem was with this episode. And it is a continuing problem that I've had with this show for, for a fairly significant period of time. And I don't even know if it's a problem. And it's not, honestly not because I'm seeking out any site in particular. It is just an observation. There seems to be like a rule on Insecure, which is everybody on the show got to get naked but Issa and Molly. Everybody else, 
Every dude they be knocking boots with, you be seeing it. But Lawrence was knocking down the bank teller, had her all out there in every single kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Think about how many people out there you see them like, and, and not just like people that's actually like stars on the show. They be out there naked. Issa like, nah, 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 nah. I'm sorry. I'd have to at some point you got like she, they got real close on this last one, right? Like they 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 teased it. Like maybe she getting a little bit little little closer to it. You know what I'm saying? Maybe maybe she getting ready to break out and all of that. And my man said, not Amanda Seals, but dog. The thing about Amanda Seals is. They don't put her in situations where somebody else is naked and people are like she was naked. No, 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 no. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm, I'm talking about, the stuff that make them put the end at the stop of the at, at the start of the episode. That end ain't never no Issa. That end ain't never no Molly. Everybody else, they be showing knocking boots, be getting naked. Somebody said Molly in real life is still a virgin. Maybe that's why she don't show anything. She she ain't acting like no virgin fool. And what that got to do with what I'm talking about? I'm just saying. I just don't understand how the rest of the like 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 your man that played Lawrence. How you ain't revolted about this yet? How you ain't been like yo yo yo? Either we both doing it or we not doing it. Somebody said it's intentional. They spoke on it already. Well, I'm speaking on it now. How about that? It seems like there's a real power imbalance and they need a union. Call your rep. What they call it, the guild? One more question. If you're dating a white woman, how many days before it's appropriate to ask about her politics and views on race issues? Bye. That thing had 18 upvotes. You have to understand that. That been sitting on top of the list the whole damn show. That thing had 18 upvotes. Who the hell in the room today? Peace.